TBN, Pinellas Park, W262CP, Bayonet Point. Brought to you by Moss Nissan. Locations in new portions of this hour have been pre-recorded for broadcast at this time. Odyssey. The following program was pre-recorded for broadcast at this time. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. Temptation is not the same thing as sin, but giving into temptation is what leads to sin. And a true child of God desperately doesn't want to give in to sin. He wants to avoid it. And so he constantly is asking God to spare him exposure to those specific temptations where he knows that he's especially weak and and vulnerable. See, folks, every one of us has certain moral weaknesses and vulnerabilities that make us more susceptible to some temptations than to others. We're, We're all just wired a little bit differently. What might be a strong enticement for one person may not be much of a temptation for somebody else. Welcome to Verse by Verse, a Bible class of the air. Pastor teacher Steve Kreloff is our teacher, and we are continuing our in-depth study today of the Lord's Prayer. If you were with us for our last class, you'll probably remember that Pastor Steve was resolving a bit of a theological puzzle. We find that puzzle in the parallel requests, Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. That word temptation has two different meanings in the original language, and they are important. Pastor Steve will explain in a moment. Verse by Verse Ministries is an expansion of Pastor Steve's 25-plus years of ministry at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. While still serving at Lakeside, this ministry allows many more people to take advantage of Pastor Steve's clear, expository, or verse-by-verse teaching style. We hope that you will find these radio Bible studies to be helpful in your spiritual growth and that you'll be able to join us for every class. For more information about Verse by Verse Ministries, please stay tuned at the end of the program for the website I'll be telling you about. Today's class is the second part of a three-part message devoted to this last portion of the Lord's Prayer. If you are able to follow along in your Bible, please keep a finger in Matthew 6.13, because that is our main text as Pastor Steve brings in other supporting and explanatory verses. And now here is Pastor Steve. So let's begin by looking at the first key phrase, which is presented in in a negative form. Do not, there's the negative, do and do not lead us into temptation. Now, immediately as we look at this phrase, we are faced with a number of interpretive challenges. In fact, in my view, this last petition is the most challenging to study and understand. And you'll see why in in just a few moments. In fact, you're going to see it now. Because the first thing you need to determine is what does Jesus mean by the word temptation? Now, you may think, what do you mean? That's that's simple. That's, That's the most you've got for us? That's simple. I understand what he means. No. No, you, you may not, because it's not that simple. You see, in the Greek language, the word that's used here, this Greek word, this word that is translated in our verse, temptation, actually has two meanings, because it can be used two different ways, distinct ways. Sometimes this word, this exact word, means test or trial, in the sense that God tests us or he sends us a difficult trial to develop our character or to prove the genuineness of our faith. This is how it's used throughout the New Testament. In fact, this is the majority of uh, the way it's used. Let me, let me give you some examples. James chapter 1. James chapter 1 
our writer speaks of this. This is a very well-known statement. James 1 verse 2, consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. There's that word. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Here, James uses this precise uh, word to say that, that we ought to rejoice when God sends us trials because these trials are designed to develop character character. They're not pleasant, but, but we rejoice not because they are uh, burdensome, but because the end result is good for us. First Peter says the same thing. First Peter 6 and 7. In this way, you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been distressed by various trials. So trials do distress us, but he says... So that, here's the reason why you have these trials, so that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. He said, God sends us tests so that it would, it would be proof to us in the way we handle these tests, that we don't turn away from the Lord. We draw closer to him. We submit to him. It proves that we're genuine Christians. Unbelievers get bitter when they have tests. But true believers, they may have some bumps in the road, but they eventually work through that and it tests our, our faith and proves the genuineness and the reality of our faith. So in, in this sense, trials and tests are beneficial for us because God intends them for our good. He sends you a test with the intent that you would pass the test. He wants you to pass. However, the same Greek word that is uh, often used to speak of a trial or a test is also used to speak of a temptation. And a temptation is very different than a, than a trial. A temptation, by its very definition, is a solicitation from Satan to do evil. It's only evil as its intent. In other words, temptation, far from being a test sent by God with the goal of having you pass it, is an enticement by Satan, who I might add is called in Scripture the tempter, with the goal of having you fail. God wants you to pass. Satan wants you to fail. Now, we know that Satan is always the source of temptation and never God. God is the source of tests, but not temptation, because the Bible specifically says that God never entices us to do evil. Where does he say that? Once again, James, James chapter 1, verse 13. Let no one say when he is tempted, I'm being tempted by God. I mean, that's rather clear. For God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself does not tempt anyone. God never tempts us, so it has to be Satan. And then James goes on to explain. Here's why and how Satan can tempt us. But each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. So there's something within us called lust and indwelling sin that Satan uses to try to attract us to do evil. Then when lust has conceived, he says, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. And James adds, do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Let's not be deceived by temptation. Satan doesn't make us do it, but our flesh cooperates with him. And that's where he attacks us. So the question that we're faced with, an interpretive question in Matthew 6.13 is this. Does Jesus mean lead us not into any tests or does he mean, lead us not into temptation, the way it's, it's translated? See, the, the original language really doesn't help you here because it's the same exact word. However, when you're faced with that, what you have to do is go to other scripture. You have to compare scripture with scripture. You have to bring in theology from the rest of the Bible because the Bible will never conflict with itself. 
And so we would have to conclude here that it wouldn't make, if we do that, it would not make any sense for Jesus to say, lead us not into any tests. That wouldn't be right because tests are good for us. Tests are beneficial for us. We don't want to avoid tests. We don't want to pray, Lord, lead us away from any tests. We want these tests, unpleasant as they sometimes are, because that's how we grow in our faith. So the Lord would never say, pray to God to ask that no tests come into your your life because the Bible says you will be tested. So we know that's not what he meant. In fact, James said, count it all joy when you encounter various trials. So the Lord couldn't be saying, hey, pray that you never get those trials. So if it doesn't mean, if Jesus didn't mean lead us not into any tests or trials, then he must be saying, lead us not into temptation. In fact, the context indicates that's precisely how Jesus is using this word because that's why he connected it with the verse before, with the word and. He's talking about forgiveness of sins, and now he's talking about the temptation, and that's and that's connected. He also spoke in the next phrase of evil, deliver us from evil. So the context indicates that he's addressing the issue of temptation related to sin, not trials that benefit us. But knowing this, knowing this, that the Lord is referring to temptation, we have a serious theological problem that has to be addressed. I told you this is very challenging because temptation cannot be avoided. You can pray this prayer until you are blue in the face, lead me not into temptation, and you will still have temptation. Everyone has temptation. You never reach a point in your life in this world in which you're no longer tempted. The most godly person has temptations every day of his or her life. Every believer in Christ was tempted, regardless of their spiritual maturity. We all face temptation. So we can we can say, well, the meaning of this is pray that you'll never be tempted because you will be tempted. That's reality. And that's that's why we gravitate and we embrace the lyrics, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. If, if you don't ever think of, uh, if you want to pray, Lord, don't ever lead me into temptation, you might as well pray, Lord, take me out of this world because that's the only way you're going to avoid temptation. Satan's not going to say, oh, I see he prayed this way. I guess I'll never tempt him again. Um, that's, that's not what the Bible teaches. That makes sense. I'm sure we've all asked God to protect us from temptation, and yet we all face temptation way more than we would like to. In fact, Hebrews 4.15 says that Jesus himself was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. So while we're on this fallen planet, we will not be free of temptation, even though there are ways to reduce its frequency. Pastor Steve will help us deal with the avoidance of temptation a little later in the class. What did Jesus mean by, do not lead us into temptation? Well, Pastor Steve will answer that question right after we take a brief pause to introduce ourselves to those who have just tuned in. You are listening to Verse by Verse with Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff. Pastor Steve has been ministering at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida, since 1981. If you find yourself in Clearwater on a Sunday morning, or perhaps you live here and are looking for a church home, we would like to invite you to come to see us. Lakeside is at 1893 Sunset Point Road. That is midway between U.S. Highway 19 and the beach. By the way, Lakeside operates one of the finest Christian schools around. Lakeside Christian School has been teaching children for more than 30 years and offers classes from K-5 through grade 12. 
You can learn more at the website lakesidechristianschool.org. That's lakesidechristianschool.org. Well, let's get back to class now so Pastor Steve can help us with the intent of Jesus' phrase, lead us not into temptation. So the question is, what then does Jesus mean by telling us to pray, lead us not into temptation? He can't mean that you'll never be tempted because you will. You will. In light of the fact that the Lord followed this phrase up with saying, deliver us from evil, makes it appear obvious that what this sixth petition is is dealing with is not avoiding temptation. That's not it at all, but rather about overcoming temptation so that it does not lead to sin. He's talking here about victory over temptation. In other words, Lord, don't put me in a tempting situation that might overwhelm me, but rather rescue me from Satan's evil desires and intents in my life. See, this is a prayer that recognizes while while temptations are inevitable, we don't want to give in to them. And we don't want to fall into sin. This is talking about victory over temptation. I know it's worded so that it looks like it's just talking, don't lead us into any temptation, but it can't be that because that would conflict with Scripture. And as I said, adding the word evil there indicates what he's talking about. He's talking about, don't let me fall for temptation. Lead me away from something that that could overpower me. Don't lead me into situations or places or with people who would be so tempting to me that I would fall. It's as the German reformer Martin Luther once said, we cannot help being exposed to the assaults, but we pray that we may not fall and perish under them. That's the essence of thought here. See, the principle behind this prayer is that we're asking God to protect us from falling into to sin, from giving from giving way from temptation to sin. And by doing so, we are recognizing as children of God that we are weak, we are vulnerable, we're we're not strong, and we're turning to our Abba Father and we're saying that we need your protection because there are things out there that Satan can use to tempt us where it's going to be hard for me to resist. Now, before we go any further, we just need to remind ourselves that temptation is not the same thing as sin. Let me remind you. Temptation is not the same thing as sin, but giving into temptation is what leads to sin. Giving into temptation. And a true child of God desperately doesn't want to give in to sin. He wants to avoid it. And so he constantly is asking God to spare him exposure to those specific temptations where he knows that he's especially weak and and vulnerable. See, folks, every one of us, every one of us has certain moral weaknesses and vulnerabilities that make us more susceptible to some temptations than to others, where we're all just wired a little bit differently. What might be a strong enticement for one person may not be much of a temptation for somebody else. And so while we are told to ask God for his protection from leading us into temptation, we also need to realize that we do have certain weaknesses and we need to understand those weaknesses and we have a human responsibility to use sanctified common sense in doing the best we can to stay out of those areas in which we're weak. Otherwise, really, it shows that we're if we're praying, Lord, don't lead us into anything that could overwhelm me, then it shows us that we're quite insincere and not truthful in asking for God's help because we're going we're gonna to play with fire and we're going to go to those places and do those things that we have a weakness in. 
For example, for some Christians, it might mean staying away from certain places because those places present strong temptations in which you're, you're weak, such as the internet. You have a problem with stuff on the internet, don't go there. I mean, that's, that's kind of a no-brainer. Don't go there. Or stores that sell inappropriate magazines. For some, it may be necessary to stay away from certain stores in the mall that inflame feelings of, of covetousness and discontentment. I see all the things I want, but I can't get. But it's not only tempting places that we might have to avoid and pray about, but sometimes strong temptations come in the form of certain people who are just not good influences on us. They bring us down, such as those who tempt us to, to gossip, criticize, slander others, just like they do. And when we're around them, we, we tend to fall into that ourselves, or those who, who might tempt us morally with relationships that we know are unhealthy. We know they're not pleasing to the Lord. Stay away from people like that. Or those people who, when we're around them, because of their poor attitudes, we find ourselves tempted to, to have those same attitudes. It's contagious. It's infectious. Listen, there are certain people who, as I said, just bring us down. They're, they're not edifying. We don't come away from them being stronger and closer to Christ. We're weaker in Christ when we're around them. And it's too tempting for us to be with them. That's precisely why the Apostle Paul told the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 15.33, bad company, he said, corrupts good morals. I mean, I don't know how much blunter you can be than that. That kind of says it all. Now, that doesn't mean boycott the world. And that doesn't mean never have any business dealings with people like this. It just means don't, don't be close to people like this. Don't hang with people like this because they'll corrupt you. So if you know that you have a particular weakness in a specific area that you just find very tempting, then you need to do your best to just stay away from those areas in order. And in order to do that, you ask for God's help. You ask for his protection. You ask for him to, to help you so, so that you don't fall into those areas that might lead to sin because you have a weakness in those areas. So practically speaking, here's how it would affect the way you pray. If you know, for example, that you struggle with loving money and coveting things, then you need to pray something like this, Lord, keep me from opportunities as well as from people who would tempt me to love money and make it an idol and forget you. It, listen, it may mean you praying, Lord, Help me in my business to have just enough to get by because I can't handle anymore. I, I'd be tempted, very tempted to just forget you, to become independent from you. Now, we don't often hear people praying, Lord, don't prosper me so much. But that may be what you have to pray. Or if you know that you're especially prone to the sin of pride, then you may pray along these lines. Lord, keep me from being put in situations where certain successful accomplishments might make my head swell and deceive me to think of myself as greater than other people. You may have to pray, Lord, don't, don't lead me around people who give me false flattery and compliments or even true flattery or true compliments because I can't handle that. Or if you are vulnerable to immoral relationships and you need to pray, Lord, don't allow me to find myself in circumstances where I might be overcome by the flesh. Don't, don't lead people into my lives that I, into my life that I might be attracted to. See, this is how we're to pray specifically. Specifically, in whatever areas you're, you're weak in, you ask the Lord to, to make sure you're not led into a tempting situation where you might sin. Now, in light of the fact that Jesus commands us to pray for God's protection from temptation that could overcome us, there are a number of important issues that attach itself to this truth. And first of all, none of us will ever take 
this type of praying seriously, and no one will ever put it into action unless you first realize how weak you really are, that you're not strong in the Lord. You're weak. As long as you think that you're strong enough to handle any temptation, then you will not seek God's help. If you think, you know what, I've walked with the Lord for many years, I've survived, I haven't fallen, I'm okay. I've been on the mountaintop with him, I've been through through many trials, many dangers, and I can handle this, then you're in grave danger because the Apostle Paul wrote the Corinthians and said in 1 Corinthians 10, 12, therefore let him who thinks he stands take heed that he does not fall. You're on very shaky ground if you have that attitude that I don't really need God's help. I have walked with him. I've been very close to the Lord and I don't really need his help. What Paul wrote to the Corinthians is a stern warning, not for them not to be overconfident in their ability to handle what we call Christian liberty issues. Uh, A Christian liberty issue is an issue, and there are many of them, uh, that um, things that are not forbidden in Scripture, nor are they commanded in Scripture. God leaves it up to us, and and, and it really is, um, it comes down to our conscience. Do we have a clear conscience to do certain things? Now, some of the Corinthians thought that, that they could handle anything in their pagan society. And, that, and Corinth was, the, was perhaps the most immoral, pagan, wicked city in the ancient world. And some of these Corinthians, these Christians, thought that they could handle those pagan elements in their society without being overcome by them because they said, you know what, this is just liberty stuff. And Paul is warning them, don't, don't see how close you can get to the edge, thinking you can handle it. If you think you can handle it, he said, you can't. You can't. You might fall. That's a good warning to us not to think for one moment that in and of ourselves we're strong enough to handle the temptations that a pagan society throws at us. You and I are not that strong, not that strong. In fact, the book of Proverbs is even more direct and specific in telling us the outcome of those who are overconfident in their ability to handle anything, especially temptation. It states the well-known phrase, pride goes before a fall. Now, in Proverbs, we're guaranteed that. If uh, Paul just warns us in Corinthians, but, but the writer in Proverbs says, pride goes before a fall. If you think that you can handle it for sure, you're going to fall. And you know, one of the greatest illustrations of this, in a, in a negative sense, is the Apostle Peter. Peter thought that he was so strong, he would never deny the Lord. But he denied him. Do you remember Peter's boasting? He confidently proclaimed to Jesus that he would follow Jesus anywhere, even to the death. And just a few hours later, as Jesus predicted, Peter was cowering before a little girl who had accused him of being a Christ follower. We just can't do it on our own, friends. We are weak and we need God's help. But that's the beauty of life with Christ. As the Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, God's power is made evident in our weaknesses. When we surrender to God and allow Him to empower us, He will give us the ability to overcome temptation. When others see us having victory, by God's grace, over things that used to defeat us, it brings great glory to the Lord. In our next class, Pastor Steve will give a more complete explanation. You have been listening to Verse by Verse. It's a presentation of Verse by Verse Ministries. Pastor teacher Steve Kreloff is our instructor in this radio Bible class. Since 1981, Pastor Steve has been delivering practical explanations and applications of the Word of God at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. 
If you would like to hear today's program again, please visit our website, versebyverseradio.org. You can listen online, download the program, or even subscribe to our complimentary podcasting service. While you're there, look around and explore. There is information about Verse by Verse Ministries and about Pastor Steve. There is a link for signing up for our free newsletter, and there is a link leading to an archive page where you can listen to some of our previous broadcasts. All of that and more is at versebyverseradio.org. Today's class is the middle part of Pastor Steve's three-part message on this last petition contained in the Lord's Prayer. We will have the conclusion in our next program. However, if you would like to hear the entire message at one time, you can order an audio CD or a cassette by calling 727-441-1714. Please leave your name and a number, and we will return your call during weekday office hours. That number again, 727-441-1714. Verse by Verse Ministries is a faith ministry, which depends